0: hello friends welcome back to another episode of the bible in life podcast the bible in life is aimed at providing clear down-to-earth bible teaching what i call blue jeans theology in order to help you learn and live the bible so that you can follow jesus right in the midst of your everyday life and the bible in life is a listener-supported crowd-funded bible teaching ministry made possible by the generosity of folks just like you so thanks a ton for those of you who support this ministry And if you want to join the team of supporters, you can do so by going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the Give button, and you can set up a monthly recurring donation there, or you can give a one-time donation as well. We are entering into the Christmas season. And traditionally, the weeks that we're in leading up to Christmas are called Advent. And Advent refers to the waiting for the coming of the Messiah, Uh, Traditionally, Advent is celebrated on the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and in the history of the church, there's really a double sense of this idea of waiting for Messiah to come. And you can find evidence of this in church history. This, this double sense where they, there's this sense of looking back at the story of the Bible and how people waited for Messiah to come initially. And then there's the where we live now, looking forward to waiting for him to come again. That's that double sense of Advent. And so... Um, celebrating the first coming of the Messiah and the centuries leading up to that and celebrating that we're waiting for him to come again. That's what Advent is all about. In fact, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which meant coming. And it's actually a translation of the Greek word parousia, which means the same thing, coming or appearance or presence. And so over the next several weeks on the podcast, I want to consider the story that we believe is the true story of the world, the story that led up to the coming of the Messiah, and then go beyond that after Christmas to the story we're still living today, where we're waiting for him to come again. And so over the next... Uh, six weeks, I just want to explore this idea of waiting for Messiah to come, Advent. And we'll look at the promise and its initial fulfillment, and then we'll look forward to its final fulfillment when Christ comes again. And we begin the story of that promise and of the waiting for Messiah to come with a man named Abraham. And it's important to remember that when we talk about the story that's recorded in the Bible, these aren't just fables or myths or stories. These are events that happened in the real world, in space and time, in history. This is the story of world history about what went wrong in the world and how it will be fixed as told by the authors of the Bible. And so when we talk about the promise given to Abraham, we need to remember that Abraham was a man from ancient Mesopotamia. His family was originally from a well-known city in Mesopotamia, Ur, uh, in Chaldea, which is located in modern Iraq. And by the time God called Abraham, he and his family had left Ur, and they had moved northwest to another well-known ancient city, the city of Haran. Um, And that's actually located in southeastern Turkey today. Uh, Abraham lived approximately 2,000 years before Jesus. And while living in the city of Haran, God called Abraham, then still known as Abram, to be the person through whom he promised to undo the curse of sin and death and to bring his blessing to the world. Listen to these words from Genesis chapter 12. Here is how the story of God's promise begins with Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so while this sounds like initially, specifically just an individual promise to Abram or Abraham, notice how it ends. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the promise Uh, and the initial hope of those who belonged to Yahweh, God of heaven and earth, this is the beginning of Advent. This is the beginning of waiting for God to do what he said. It's the beginning of the promise to bring his blessing to this world. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not just you, Abraham, are going to be blessed, but I'll bless you so that all the families of the earth can ultimately be blessed. And this is the beginning of the story of how God is going to undo the curse of sin and death. And so before we look at Abraham and his the promise to him and his waiting, we need to really understand the context of the story and what's happening in the whole world. And that context is told in the Bible this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything good. Um, And at the culmination of making this whole world and everything that's in it, God finally made the capstone of creation, human beings, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it, to care for it, and to extend his wise good rule all throughout the entire earth. The human beings had a perfect relationship with each other, right? You could say that Adam and Eve, the first two humans, they were blessed. uh, And they lived in a blessed world and in a blessed environment. They had a perfect relationship with each other. They had a perfect relationship with God. They had a perfect relationship with the natural world. That's just the nature of what happened. Well, when you read the story, they broke faith with their creator and they disobeyed God. This is what the Bible calls sin. And that uh, breaking of faith disrupted the entire blessed order of things, the, the harmony, the shalom that existed in every relationship between God and people, between people and people, between people and the physical, natural world, all of that was disrupted by their breaking faith with their creator and disobeying him. And so that led to a new state of affairs. Now no longer was the earth blessed, but it was cursed. And that means it was, it was deteriorating and falling apart and broken and shalom had been ruined. Well, God wants to fix that. And God's promise to Abraham is how ultimately how God intends to remove the curse and bring his blessing back to the world. God wants to replace this, this uh, curse with blessing. And that's why he says to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God is going to patiently and persistently work with Abraham and then ultimately Abraham's family to bring his blessing back to the whole world. Well, with that promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, the waiting for that promise to be fulfilled begins. Advent begins with the promise to Abraham. And in fact, Abraham himself waited, and he waited for 25 years just for the initial fulfillment of that promise. Abraham was about 75 years old when the promise here in Genesis 12 was given to him To to leave, that he'll be given land, he's going to become a great nation, uh, that God's going to bless him, and all of that. Well, Abraham is about 75 years old when that problem or that promise is made. And in order to be a great nation, you have to have descendants. But at age 75, Abraham has none. And so God's going to have to give him some descendants in order to make him into a great nation. And God takes his time doing that. In fact, at various points through Abraham's story, God actually reminds Abraham of the promise because waiting is hard. And one of the most important restatements of the promise is found in Genesis chapter 15. Here's what God says there in Genesis 15. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, don't fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, oh, Lord God. What will you give me since I am still childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? It's the servant, right? And Abram said, Since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. I have to pass on my stuff to preserve the family line to Eliezer, a servant, not even an offspring of mine. That was the custom of the day. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took Abram outside and said to him, Now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. And God said to him, So shall your descendants be. Your, your descendants are going to be like all the stars of the heaven. Remember, Abram's an old man, and he doesn't have any offspring at this point. And then it says, Then... Abraham believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Here's Abraham, as an old man, with this promise from God that he's going to become a great nation, with the promise that his descendants, his offspring, are going to be like the stars in the sky. At another point, it's mentioned as being like the sand on the seashore. Um, And he has nothing, but he takes God at his word. He believes God, and God credits it to him as righteousness, says, puts Abraham in a right relationship with himself, with God, because Abraham simply trusted his promise. Well, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham, Abraham and his wife actually get impatient with God. They're like, well, maybe this is what God means. And they try to produce an heir, the normal human way for their time and their culture. They found a surrogate mother, to carry Abraham's child, Hagar. Uh, this, was the, this was accepted and legal in their culture. And so I imagine that Abraham and Sarah actually uh, were like, well, maybe this is what God meant. It's not what God meant, right? And so finally, after 25 years from the time the, the first promise was given in, in Genesis 12, God actually gave Abraham and Sarah a son. Isaac. And Isaac is the child of promise. Um, God comes through for him. He keeps his word. And that promise that Abraham had trusted, well, God fulfills it. It just took 25 years. And finally, the child of promise is born, Isaac. Abraham actually ends up having a few more sons before he dies. But Isaac is the promised one. He's the one through whom God will... will, uh, carry the promise forward and make Abraham into a great nation and through whom he's going to bring his blessing to all the earth. And so that promise is actually restated when you read Genesis to Isaac, that God is going to fulfill the word that he had given to his father Abraham. He's going to fulfill it through Isaac, that he's going to have many descendants like the sand of the seashore. Well, and then that promise is passed on to one of Isaac's sons. Jacob, not Esau, but Jacob, and the promise is restated to him. But now we're two generations in, and there's still no great nation. They still don't possess the land. They're only a handful of descendants, but God had promised. And eventually in time, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, becomes the father of 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel, which is the next stage in the story. And the promise to Abraham that all of the nations will be blessed through his offspring, well, that promise was eventually fulfilled in the nation of Israel. They become a great nation. But that's not even, even Israel is not the ultimate fulfillment of the promise. But that promise wasn't fulfilled in Abraham's lifetime. It was like the first leg of a relay. Um, that promise uh, wasn't fulfilled in Isaac's lifetime. It wasn't even fulfilled in Jacob's lifetime. Each of those patriarchs in the Bible saw bits and pieces of the fulfillment. Um, But those bits and pieces created more questions, more longing, and led to more waiting and waiting and waiting, literally for thousands of years, 2,000 years to be precise, until the ultimate offspring of Abraham was born, Jesus, the Messiah. And so from Abraham to Jesus is roughly 2,000 years. And and though there's initial bits and pieces of waiting or fulfillment, uh, there's more waiting. Like, no, we know this isn't, even with uh, becoming a great nation in Israel, well, they weren't faithful and that led to exile. We'll talk more about that in the in, ensuing weeks. But eventually, 2,000 years after the promise was given to Abraham, the ultimate Son of Abraham was born, Jesus the Messiah. Listen to these words from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. It's a genealogy, but it's important because it picks up the promised Abraham. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And here's what it says. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Well, then the genealogy breaks off. It goes through the entire list of people throughout the history of Israel. And then it finally comes down in verse 15 to saying, And Iliad fathered Eliezer. Eleazar fathered Matan. Matan fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. 2,000 years From Abraham to Jesus. 2,000 years of waiting and longing and hoping. Jesus, spoiler alert, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise uh, that was made to Abraham. It is through Jesus, uh, a man born to a woman, that the curse would be reversed and the blessing would come to the entire world. It is through Jesus that all the nations of the earth can now be blessed. I think of the traditional Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Not the first verse, but a, a, a later verse of that Christmas carol says this, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. That's that, those those. Words That imagery all derives from the story of Genesis, the curse, where uh, the ground would be cursed because of Adam and Eve's sin. And now there would be thorns and thistles that would grow out of the ground, right? Um, And the curse now is going to extend throughout the whole earth. But God's going to reverse the curse and he's going to bring his blessing. And that promise was given to Abraham that somehow through his descendants, through his offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed and the 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 focal point of that the the fulfillment of that is the ultimate son of abraham jesus the messiah and this is the story of the world that we celebrate during the advent season and at christmas god made a promise and god kept his promise and there's more to god's promise as well that's still yet to come And one of the things that Advent teaches us is that God can be trusted. Just as Abraham trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness, Advent teaches us that God is trustworthy, that he can be trusted. What he promised, he will do. Not necessarily on our timetable. Uh, He may take his time, just as he did with Abraham. Probably so, he always seems to. Um, But we can trust him. God is committed to fixing this world, to reversing the curse and making his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we see the beginning of that in the promised Abraham and the inauguration of the fulfillment of that in the baby born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. And so as we celebrate the Christmas season, as we celebrate Advent, we remember that God made a promise, and though it took 2,000 years, God kept it by sending his son as a little tiny baby, vulnerable and helpless, laid in a manger in a small little town in Bethlehem. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Now, over the next couple weeks, we'll look at what happens between Abraham and the birth of Jesus and the story, and we'll see how that story unfolds. We need to realize the story that we're a part of and let that story shape us so that like Abraham, we too can trust God and it can be credited to us as righteousness. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Thanks again to those of you who make this ministry possible by your faithful support in your prayers and your generosity. May God bless you for it. I pray you have a wonderful Advent season. May God bless you, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.